0: Lord, we come before you and we bow down to you. We thank you, God, that you have saved us. You've called us, Lord. You love us, God, and you are here for us. And even as we've been praying for Elena and Naoko, God, we know you will be with them. Lord, be with us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. Thank you that we have hope in you, and you, God, are our protector, Lord, and that you are sovereign and in control of everything, God. And so we can trust you. So help us this morning to trust you more, Lord. To persevere in the battles, Lord. And to know that in every turn, every place we go, whatever may happen, you are there and you are sovereign. You are in control. So teach us this morning, God. We are all ears, Lord, with an open heart. And we ask for your blessing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a zoo that was famous for their great collection of different animals, and one day the gorilla, unfortunately, died. And to keep up the appearance of a full range of animals in the zoo, they hired actually a man who is desperate for work, so he agreed, to wear a gorilla suit and step into the exhibit. Well, day after day, the man ran around beating his chest, shaking the bars. He showed himself to be a pretty good gorilla, and soon large crowds began to come and visit that exhibit. Then one day, while he was swinging on a vine, he lost his grip and fell right into the exhibit next door, which was a lion's den. What will the man do? Will he blow his cover, lose his badly needed job? Well, he decided to play the part since he had fooled the guests and face this lion. The lion slowly approached him. The man in the gorilla suit tried ignoring and went just looking around for a way to get over and back into his exhibit. But with every step he took, the lion followed him. Well, fear began to fill his mind and his heart, he did not know what to do. He felt like crying out for help. But when it seemed the lion was about to pounce, he couldn't hold it in any longer. His fear overcame him and he began to scream, help, help. And then suddenly he was interrupted by the lion who spoke in a whisper and said, Be quiet, you, or else you'll get us both fired. (laughs) I like that story. You know what, though? Actually, he didn't do too bad, right? Because at first, he really did think he came face to face with the real lion. And that's a very daring thing to do. Well, today, we we return to our study in the book of Daniel. And in this chapter, Daniel dared to keep his prayer time. And so he was thrown into the lion's den. But we know, we know the story, right? God saves Daniel, but he also saves him from other, quote-unquote, lions, the men who conspired against him. So we see today, Daniel facing the lions. And that's the title of our message, Facing the Lions. We're going to be studying the whole chapter. We're going to take the whole chapter this morning. And our outline is this, the unbeatable decree, the unshakable devotion, and the unbelievable deliverance. So, facing the lions, our title this morning, let's take a look at this first part, the first heading, the unbeatable decree, the unbeatable decree. We're going to be covering verses 1 through 9 here in Daniel chapter 6, if you're taking notes. So, take a look with me here in these two, first two verses. It says, it pleased Darius to set up set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. Verse 2, and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. And we'll stop right there. We begin here with Darius. It pleased Darius in verse 1. Now, this was the title given to King Cyrus, the ruler of the Medo-Persian Empire Remember last week we saw the fall of Babylon, and the medo Persians have taken over the the silver part in that image right we 're moving on in history here and and so uh, here we see Darius here he 's setting up his government basically now take note some say that Darius was actually an appointed ruler under Cyrus the king. Another view is that he was general. Agbaru set over the area of Babylon but I really believe when it says Darius here it's a it's it's a title it's like president or Caesar for five other Persian rulers were also called Darius so for me and you can study this Darius is the is Cyrus the ruler of the Medo-Persian empire at this time all right, so now after the fall of the Babylonian Empire, Darius is organizing his government. And, and this is actually, they say, maybe a couple years in, into this. Maybe things are settled down now. And so Darius is organizing, organizing his government by setting up 120 satraps. What is a satrap? Well, these are basically district governors of the different provinces, like 120 districts, you know, Medo-Persia is broken up into. And so they were tasked, these district governors, to, to collect the tribute, the taxes, and they were in charge of keeping order, you know, and peace in these districts. And then what he did was over the 120 satraps, Darius set up three high officials, like three of them over to all the satraps. These are like the viceroys. These are are the ones, these officials, these leaders under the king who keep the satraps accountable and protect his interests. So he would like, verse 2 says, suffer no loss. Well, we find here right at the beginning of of chapter 6 in verse 2 is that one of the viceroys was Daniel. It's Daniel. It's been, like uh, I like said, maybe a couple of years into now the Medo-Persian kingdom since chapter 5. The Think about this now. Remember we learned last chapter, Daniel was like 87, maybe 85, 87 years old. So he's almost 90 years old now, and, and he's been chosen, he's been tasked to be one of the three officials. You know what I like and what we see here right away is God still has a mission for Daniel, even in this new government. Isn't that Interesting. Remember, he was high up there in the Babylonian government, but now in this Medo-Persian government, God still put him there, and he has a mission for Daniel in this new government. Now, understand, it has been 70 years since Babylon came, took the Jews out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, bring them to Babylon, and put them into captivity it's been 70 years of the Babylonian captivity for the Jews. And I think Daniel must have been excited to still be alive to see the prophecy of Jeremiah come to pass that the captivity would last 70 years. And we find that like in Jeremiah 25, 12 and Jeremiah 29, 10. I mean, Jeremiah was was before all this. And right, right when um, Babylon came, he had prophesied this. And look, but Daniel's still alive. He must have been excited. And he must have been really excited to see Isaiah's prophecy come to pass. Because in Isaiah forty four twenty eight, which was said, prophesied, 150 years earlier now, Isaiah actually means, names, Cyrus as the one who will help the Jews return to the land. So if you put that together... Jeremiah's saying, well, the captivity's gonna last 70 years and they're gonna come back into the land. And Isaiah said way earlier before Jeremiah that the guy who's gonna help, his name is Cyrus. And look who is in rule right now. Cyrus. So I bet Daniel's pretty excited to be alive to see this, but even that, even more to see God set up daniel as part of this new government perhaps god's plan is to set up daniel in the position to influence cyrus and I, I really believe that's part of this and with the events in this chapter i believe god's plan is to bring cyrus to see firsthand who the god of israel really is so it's exciting to me to come into this chapter to see daniel almost 90 But he's seen prophecy come to pass. He's he's lived long enough to see that. All right. So God sets up Daniel in this position. And then look at verse 3 and 4. Then this Daniel came distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps. Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Verse 4, then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. We'll stop there. Now we see that Daniel outshine all the other leaders by what we see here, his excellent spirit in verse 3. He was distinguished. He, he, was, he, he was like... Out there, I mean, he was noticeably way excellent spirit. Now the NIV puts excellent spirit, translates it from the Hebrew, exceptional qualities. So, we can, we can kind of guess and assume what that is, right? It speaks of what? His godly wisdom, which we saw, like his God given wisdom, which we've seen already in our study in Daniel. His great attitude that we've seen, his humbleness, right? We, we've seen his gifts and abilities that Nebuchadnezzar saw, and, and that's why he raised him up. And his integrity and his trustworthiness. I bet mean, all these things were these exceptional, extraordinary qualities in this excellent spirit. That that is, that is spoken of here. So the king was so impressed, you know what? He decides to promote Daniel to be over everything, over even the other two viceroys, all, all his, his two other guys he's supposed to share, yeah, overseeing all the satraps and everything. Well, now the king is planning and, hey, I'm going to put Daniel up there and he's going to put Daniel even higher than these guys, well, you know what? We see in the next verse, the leaders were not happy. Maybe they were jealous. Maybe Daniel got in the way in their schemes and their plans to gain more power and money, you know, in that position. They didn't like Daniel. So they tried to find some dirt on Daniel. You know, like we're in this election year, right? And what happens? Oh, if you're a candidate, oh, people look for dirt on you to bring you down right? They, they they want to bring you down or the other candidates and all. Well, that's what's happening here. Daniel is about to be placed in this, this position over them and they're, they're trying to find some dirt on Daniel, but they could not find one thing that would bring grounds to disqualify him. What a, what a guy, right? So as Daniel, I see, as Daniel was before, he was sti- he still was a man of uncompromising character. Remember back in chapter 1, he lived this uncompromising life. He made an uncompromising stand. And throughout, we've seen in our study, he, he's with God. He's dedicated. He's committed. Like he was as a teenager in chapter 1, so Daniel still pushing 90 in chapter 6. He was a man of uncompromising character. Isn't that awesome? He's been consistent all these years. H. Greeley wrote, Fame is a vapor, popularity an accident. Riches take wings. Only one thing endures, character. I like that, character. But these guys, they came up with another way to take down Daniel. Look at verse 5. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless, look at this, we find it in connection with the law of his God. In other words, in his obedience to the word and following God. How evil is this? They know how faithful, how consistent, how committed. They know Daniel's character, how he is surrendered and following his God. They see Daniel's uncompromising character. So you know what? They decide to use that against him. And that's evil, you guys. Verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement. In other words, they came all together in one group to the king, in verse 6, and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. That was the way you you approach and address the king, right? Verse 7. All the high officials of the kingdom which was a, a a lie right here because Daniel was not there or in agreement. But they say all the high officials, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, everybody, all the mayors and all the high officials and all, Uh, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction, this law, and sign the document so that it cannot be charged according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, verse 9, King Darius signed the document and injunction, or this law. So here's their evil plot. This is how they're going to take down Daniel. They first approach the king with this idea for this ordinance, this degree, decree, this law now that for 30 days everyone in the whole empire must pray to nobody else but the king. That's, that's their ploy. That's their plot here. They're approaching the king with this idea, this law. Secondly, they say, hey, and it Anyone who doesn't uh, do that, they will be executed by being thrown into the lion's den. So that was a way of execution, punishment for breaking this law. And the third thing is, King, you signed this into the law, which with the Medo-Persian way, once it's signed, once it's a law, an official law, it's a law. And even the king himself cannot reverse it. That's the way the Medo-Persians run. So this is their ploy. This is their plan to get the king to sign this, to get him to, to agree to this law. Hey, everyone going to pray to you and all that. What deception is that, right? Well, it's crazy how deceitful they are. They manipulate the king by, you know what, appealing to his pride. And his, his pride, yeah, everyone will pray to you. And probably the king's like, oh, that sounds good. Me? Oh yeah, I remember they, they worship other gods and stuff. They go, Oh, oh I can be considered of god, considered a god. You know, it's like like you know, some, sometimes, you know, we we uh on Mother's Day, you're gonna be queen for the day, you know, kinda of. this is you can be God for thirty days. That's appealing to his pride and his sense of power. And most likely maybe it, it was a good idea, maybe they threw in there that hey, this can unite the whole kingdom, you know that you've just taken over because unite everybody under you, king. How deceitful that is to manipulate the king to sign this law, right? And to manipulate the law now so that Daniel is destroyed by his own faithfulness to prayer. That's evil, you guys. That's deceitful. That is wrong. But here's these guys. They found a way to get rid of Daniel by this un unbeatable decree that's our heading this is this unbeatable decree they're like Daniel can't get out of this the king can't do anything right the king wants to promote Daniel so they got to make it so there's there's no way out but to get rid of Daniel so they they use Daniel's own faithfulness against himself you know it's commonly known that most traditional martial arts uses the opponent's strength against himself right themselves right that's what these guys are doing they're doing this political kind of kung fu move on daniel they know that the greatest ability is daniel's dependability they can depend on daniel to be faithful to pray to his god so because of that because of his character they can take down daniel with this unbeatable decree so here's what i want you to see in this first section the trap to kill Daniel was designed around his consistent character. The trap to kill Daniel was designed around his consistent character. You know, many years ago, the dean of the students at the Bible College at Calvary South Maui, when they, when they had the Bible College there, he was telling me how, uh, David Corson, he was telling me how he would... He would call every reference that was listed on the student's application. And, and he, was t- he was sharing this. He, he goes, you know what I do, Rick? He said, I would ask any of the employees that, you know, jobs and stuff that were on the, the application. He would ask questions like, did they work hard? Did they come to work on time? Did they work a full shift? Were they prompt? Were they polite? Did they carry themselves with a good attitude? Were they faithful? You know, were they trustworthy? Now, why would he ask those questions? Because the answers would say much about their character, right? And whether, you know, what they were at work, they would be at the Bible college. And that's what was his his thought. And so he would know what their character and how consistent that character would be at the Bible college, Well, this is Daniel. Daniel showed himself that he was a man of consistent character. So much so, they couldn't find any dirt on him, but so much so, they could use their ploy against him. They could use his godly character against him. How consistent is your character, you guys? How consistent is your godliness and your obedience to the Lord? How consistent is your Christianity in how you carry your let me ask you, is your character a giveaway to whom you follow? Or maybe let me think of it this way. If, or should I say maybe when, believing in Jesus becomes a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? You guys, this morning, as we get into this passage, it's time to make a change in your life and become even more consistent in your uncompromising character, how you follow the Lord. You guys, these days are going only going to get darker. And there's going to be a pull. There's going to be a temptation. There's going to be a draw from the world to live like them. But through God's strength, we can live for God. And we need to, I should say, be more consistent in living that uncompromising life. Well, let's go on here. The unshakable devotion. We've seen the unbeatable decree, and and we're going to be seeing him face the lions. But number two now is unshakable devotion. Daniel chapter 6 here. We're going to cover verses 10 through 17 in this section. So look at verse 10. Daniel 6.10. It says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber, chamber opened toward jerusalem he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before god as he had done previously now we see in this verse now when david knew when he found out basically that this decree this injunction this law was signed into law that this was like official now he went to his house and what does it say he gave up trying anymore He gave up on God. He says, I can't do this. Is that what he did? No. Daniel prayed in the same consistent manner as he had always prayed before. Isn't that amazing? We see three things here. First of all, Daniel went home and opened the windows or went to the open windows that were toward Jerusalem the ones that were facing the direction where the holy city was, Jerusalem, or where, where the temple was. This was a way of looking to the Lord in faith for help and to also honor God. You know, he must have chose to follow what Solomon said in 1 Kings 8, 44, the second part of that verse says, Pray to the Lord by turning toward this city you have chosen and toward this temple I have built to honor your name. So, As you know, like even in the Muslim circles, they'll turn, you know, they'll face Mecca wherever they are in the world and pray. So here's Daniel. He's praying in the direction with the window open toward Jerusalem in that direction. Secondly, Daniel got down on his knees, not just once, but what? Three times a day. I think he was following what King David said in Psalm 55, 17. And this is the NLT. It says, Morning, noon, and night, I cry cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. So I believe he prayed in the morning. He prayed in the uh, noontime, you know, maybe 12 o'clock. And then in the evening, he prayed again. So three times he prayed, facing toward Jerusalem. And the third thing, I love this. Daniel prayed and gave thanks. First thing he did was he was thankful to the Lord. I love that. He didn't complain about the law. He didn't question God about his situation. I think he did what Paul said in Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you love his heart? And I believe this is what He's always done right. It says at the end of the verse here uh, that he didn't change his routine and prayed as he had done previously. And you know when it says previously, you know my mind goes to this is what he's been doing for seventy years or more, right? Maybe before Bab- the Babylonian captivity, and when he got into captivity, maybe since then. It was his routine. It was, it was the way he honored God. It was, it was the way he sought God. It was his devotional time with the Lord. He's been doing this probably faithfully 70 years. And even with this law, he's not going to change anything. Even though Daniel knew exactly what the decree said, what's gonna, what would happen to him if he got caught? The lions and all, he didn't change a thing. And this is the unshakable devotion of Daniel that's what we see that's our heading here you know in the back of my mind i thought daniel well he could have changed up his routine a little bit he could be saying like well i'll just keep the windows closed pray silent, silently so you know i won't get hurt right or he could have done well i'll stop praying for 30 days you know it's only 30 days what's what's that then the law will expire and i could get back to what i've been doing or maybe he could have thought, hey, you know, I've been praying this way for like 70 years. What's the what's a, what's a big deal? I saved up enough for, skip, you know, 30 days, right? But you know what? To him, any change in how he prayed would be disobedience to what God led him to do. Any change would dishonor his God, and to him, that would be compromise. Well, the story goes on in verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel. They came by agreement, meaning they came together and they like spied on Daniel. They find Daniel making petition and plea before what? His God, not the king. They had to know he was praying out loud. He had to be praying out loud and to hear that he's praying to the God of Israel. Now, it probably wasn't shocking for them to see Daniel praying to the God of heaven, right? Right? They knew. They knew Daniel. They knew of his consistent character. They just needed to all come and be witnesses to the fact he was breaking the the new law that was put in place. Verse 12 Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction so they run to the king. O king! Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king's answer said, Yeah, that thing stands fast according to the law of Medes and Persians. You guys know, once we make a law, I can't even change it. We, it, it cannot be rev- revoked. So they're like, Come to the king. Hey, king, you, you remember that law? You remember this? Yeah, we can. Well, verse 13. Then they answered and said before the king, Hey king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. O king, or the injunction, the law you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Now, notice in verse 13, this is, I don't know, maybe you can catch a, a little accusatory tone here, you know, when they're presenting this to the king. Like, that Daniel king, this exile from Judah, right? Anti-Semitism right there. This Jew, he's not even one of us. He's from those, that, those Jews, you know. He's part of those guys. That Daniel, an exile from Judah, that Daniel, he pays no attention to you. And can you see them like twisting it a little bit? Yeah. He doesn't care about you, king. Look, that Daniel, he doesn't even honor the law that you, O king, just signed. He has no respect for you king no respect at all and then that daniel like right in your face he prays to his god and you know what king it's not just once but three times a day even though these guys twisted the truth some we see right daniel actually made it easy for them because of his unshakable devotion right he made it easy for them. It wasn't like they're lying. They, they might have embellished it a little bit. They might have been a little more critical, you know, tone and accusatory. But Daniel made it easy in this unshakable devotion he had. You know, I was thinking about this. The Puritan writer Richard Baxter once said, God's people should be more concerned that they deserve the persecution than that they be delivered from it. That's interesting, right? Well, he goes on to say, because deserving it would be evidence of their faithfulness to the Lord. Oh, I thought, wow, that's deep. That's, that's deep. Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. So he leaves these guys, the king, the king, remember, he liked Daniel. He wanted to promote Daniel. That was his plan. He, he, he loved everything that he saw in him. And so when they came and were saying all this, and I bet you this, the, the tone, I'm guessing, didn't help. Well, I believe they opened his eyes to their deceit. I think he saw their ploy to get rid of Daniel. I see, it, I thought, I, I see that it all came together in his mind. Oh, okay. I know why you really manipulated me into this law. And, and, and then I bet you he felt bad, not just because he liked Daniel, not just he wanted to promote him, not just that, but he probably felt super bad because he had allowed these guys to manipulate his pride and him actually sign this decree. He was the one who signed a death sentence to this guy that he really cared for. So he tried all day to find some loophole. But he couldn't find anything. Well, these guys wouldn't let up. So they come back to the king in verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king. They came together again and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Oh, can you see these guys now? If I were the king, I'd I'd hate them more. Well, I'm sorry. That's a bad thing to do. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, what? You guys coming and pushing this now? You know, because they're like, let me remind you, O king. You cannot go, right? Back on the law You signed it. So the king had no other choice. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you now that's interesting yeah here's this pagan king right and he says may your god daniel he saw something in daniel and and i i believe something was going on in darius's heart so in cyrus right because eventually he's the one's going to allow the jewish people to go back to jerusalem to go back to their homeland he's going to pay for rebuilding of the temple He's the one to going to do all that. So something's going on already. God is using Daniel right here in the, in the high government with the king. Verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, these, these officials, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. So the stone was brought and closed the opening of this cave. Basically, this lion's den was this cave. And I was reading, um, some guys believe there's like maybe a little opening on top where they throw in food and maybe there was a, a, a gate or, a, you know, kind of bars on the bottom where they could let them in and out or they would put the lion but they keep these lions to to feed them. They barely feed them so that they can execute people by throwing people from the top into this lion's den. But a stone was brought and closed the opening of this cave and at this time, the only access of this cave, uh, uh, this den and then the king sealed it with his royal seal. Most likely that's that wax, soft wax. And they take his signet ring, his ring, and presses it in the wax. And that seals the, the edges of it. And also the, his lords, the, the other officials, they were probably with a smile on their face, you know, sealing this stone. And basically no one could go there, break the seal, and try and help Daniel. And I could picture the king like, putting his royal seal on the stone door, and then he watches these officials happily pressing their rings into the wax. <laughs> we got Daniel. We got Daniel. Perhaps the last thing the king hears is, is a roar of lions when Daniel's thrown in there. And, and maybe the king is thinking about how, how Daniel, you didn't even say one word. We don't see any record of Daniel complaining. Daniel defending himself. Daniel crying out in fear or pleading mercy to the king. Nothing. Maybe the king was thinking about that. We see nothing like that. You know why? Because Daniel would rather be eaten by lions than miss his prayer meeting with God. He knew what was up, he knew what was coming. He was going to keep his priority. He'd rather be eaten and killed in that manner than miss his prayer time with the Lord. And this is what I want you to see. Whether it was lions or not, Daniel would not give up his time of prayer for anything. Isn't that huge, you guys? Oh, I'm, I'm convicted, yeah? Look at Daniel, that, no wonder his character, no wonder he shined like that. I mean, he was always connecting to God. Chuck Swindoll once told how he learned the importance of taking the time to pray. He had been super busy, burdened, just struggling in life, and he sat down with a friend and vented all his gripes and everything going on. And on his way out above the lights, he noticed there hung this sign, and it answered what was really wrong with him. And this sign said this, When you're faced with a busy day, save precious time by skipping your devotions. Sign Satan. It changed his life from them. You know what? That's what Satan wants. He wants to keep us away from our time with God. He wants to keep us away from church and worship and spending time with God's people and fellowship. He wants to keep us away in our devotional time. And that's why Daniel, he refused to give that up even if it meant his life and even if it meant dying a gruesome death being eaten by lions. Let me ask you this. How easy is it for you to give up your time of prayer? Do you give Satan an easy time or a hard time when it when he comes to try and stop you from praying? Oh, that's convicting to me, yeah. Lord, I want to be like Daniel, even at the threat of being eaten by lions. God, I'm still gonna pray. I'm still gonna do what you asked me to do. I'm still gonna be faithful to you. I want to be connected to you. God, whatever happens, I'm gonna trust you, but I am still gonna pray. I'm going to still be, spend that time with you. Oh, that's, that's huge, isn't it? Where are you at today? Maybe you've been neglecting that. Maybe you've been neglecting your devotional time. Maybe, maybe uh, uh, you know, you, you, you started off really good January 1. yeah. Lord, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to read the Bible. yeah. And then, well, where are we, where are we now? March. <laughs> well, kind of fallen yeah, by the wayside. Life happens, right? We get busy. We start staying up a little bit more later than we should. And we can't get up early and we're rushing to work. We're almost late to work, yeah? Where are you today? You guys, we got to get back to what you know, what God wants you to do. And not compromise. But be consistent. Oh, Daniel. Whether it was lions or not, Daniel would not give up his time of prayer for anything while he's facing the lions but something great happens this is our third heading the unbelievable deliverance we've seen the unbeatable decree the unshakable devotion and now the unbelievable deliverance we're going to cover the rest of this chapter verse 18 through 28 in this section and look at verse 18 daniel 6 then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions, I mean no entertainment, nothing to distract him, were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't take it. He was so worried. He was so stressed out for Daniel. I think he was feeling guilty and regret for signing the law, for giving in to these guys' manipulation, and, and then putting this over him. He gave in to his pride, and, and now he's so worried about Daniel. Verse 19, Then at break of day the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. So first thing in the morning goes, As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God now. That's awesome. Has your God, whom you serve continually, what a word, right? Consistently, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now, if we were watching a movie, I think there'd be this silence, right? Of, of like suspense. Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he? I wonder if Daniel's like, I'm going to wait a few seconds here. <laughs> I can get up. Verse 21 Then Daniel said to the king, O king! Live forever. Da, 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 da. He's alive. He's alive, right? Verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Daniel says, hey, God sent his angel angel now some believe it was a little angel you know one of god's angels some believe maybe it was the same angel that was shared with chadrach meshach and bendigo you know in the fiery furnace which we learned that it was the christophany a pre-incarnate you know christ being in there so i don't know it, it, it could have been the same it could have been jesus right there you know like stop stop lions, you know kind of thing or, or angels are standing there and lions like ooh, what's that <laughs> you know one came in and now there's two you know Either way, God shut the lion's mouth and Daniel was not harmed at all. You know what we could say? Daniel slept better than the king did that night. Yeah, Daniel had a lion maybe for a pillow. Oh, this nice, soft, fuzzy mane here. Ooh, keeping me warm too, right? Perhaps it was that. And you know what? He tells the king, hey, understanding, I will say because I haven't done anything to warrant to die like this before my God. And, and, and having my devotion time, it should not be a crime. That's what he's basically saying. So God kept the lions from eating Daniel. And this is the unbelievable deliverance. Yeah? Unbelievable. A miracle has happened. It shouldn't have happened this way. Let me ask you a question. This is a joke. How does a lion greet other animals? I'm pleased to eat you. <laughs> All right, I got to laugh. Two more. I'll try two more. Why did the lion spit out the clown? Because he tasted funny. <laughs> what time is it when a hungry lion walks into a room? It's time to leave the room. <laughs> I had to use these somewhere, right? <laughs> you know? No, but this is, this is lion. It's not normal for a den of starving and hungry lions to leave its prey untouched. This was the miracle. This was unbelievable. This is what God does, you guys. He does the impossible. Like Jeremiah 32, 17 and verse 27, Jeremiah 32 says, Nothing is too hard for God. Know that, you guys. Know what God is saying to you through this passage this morning. Verse 23, then the king was exceedingly glad. Oh, he was super happy. And it commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no kind of harm was found in him. In other words, not a scratch was on him. Because he had what? Trusted in his God. And then look, verse 24, and the king commanded in those men... Uh, who had maliciously accused Daniel, were brought and cast into the den of lions. They were cast in there. They, their children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the the lions uh, overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Notice this. The lions were hungry, right? Before they hit the ground. The lions were after them. I mean, some, some doubt this story and say, Ah, Daniel, they didn't get eaten because they weren't hungry. No, they were hungry, right? Some say, No, these were old lions. They're toothless. No, they weren't. Yeah. Some say, even say, Well, Daniel, he was just, he's almost 90. He was probably like skin and bones. They probably looked at him. Eh, he doesn't look tasty at all, you know. No, this was a... This was a real, true miracle that happened. And you know what? In, with the Persian law, the person who committed a crime, their family also were, were, were uh, sentenced with the conspirator. So that's why the family, their wives and children were thrown in and punished along with them. Isn't this interesting though? What was set up to take out Daniel was now the deceiver's fate. Yeah? The conspirator's fate. Proverbs 26, 27 says, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. A stone will come back on him who starts it rolling. Know that. God in many ways speaks about this. He is a just God. He will take his vengeance, right? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? In Romans 12. He will do it. We don't have to worry. God is a just God whether, whether soon or later Either way, God will take care of it. And those who set a trap, hey, it's going to come back on them. Remember Haman? Right? Same thing, right? Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, their whole empire, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree, so he makes a new law, that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is... The living God. Amazing. Enduring forever, His kingdom shall never be destroyed and His dominion shall be to the end. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Darius Cyrus here is he's saved here. I don't know. But he believes after this in the, in the God of Daniel, the God of Israel here. And he's, he's really seeing who God is. Verse 27, He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Amazing, isn't this? The, the king of the world empire at that moment, Medo-Persian Empire, is giving praise and honor and glory to the living God. I love that. Just like Nebuchadnezzar, Darius. Responds to this miracle to honor the God of Israel. So, verse 28, a last verse. So, this Daniel pro- prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, or some translate even the reign of Cyrus the Persian, those who believe that Darius and Cyrus is the same person. So, God blessed the rest of Daniel's life, however long that was, as he served the king here. God placed him in that position. So God gave Daniel grace and favor, secured his position. And you know it. When God is with you, no worries, right? When God puts you somewhere, no worries. When it's time to go, it'll be time to go. John Phillips said, it is God upon his throne who determines the ebb and flow of all the powers that be. It is he who ultimately determines our own promotions in life. I like that. Because it really puts our eyes on God's sovereignty. So, ultimately, no matter if the other leaders wanted to take down Daniel, God has the final say, right? God has the final say. So, our last point this morning is this. Since God is in control, he alone is able to stop the mouths of lions. And that's what we see in this section. Since God is in control, he alone is able to stop the mouths of lions. I was reading about this lady... uh, named Christina Zenato, and she is called, they called her the shark whisperer. Over the past 15 years, she has removed about 250 hooks from the mouth by hand of Caribbean reef sharks. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Even to put your hand Yeah, no wonder, shark whisperer. Well, she's learned, it says in this article, she learned to recognize their mannerism, detect stress and temper, and she can get the shark to go into this relaxed state. And, and she said this, they sink slowly into my lap. And she can, um, I think she even flips them over. And she goes and takes the hook out of their mouth. It's like, how do you like that shark whisperer there, right? Well, you know, God sent sort of like the lion whisperer into that den. You know what? God controls lions. He can shut the mouth of lions. Are you in a situation where there are quote-unquote lions around you who have manipulated things to try and get to you maybe? Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe at a situation, maybe in a family situation. Maybe there's this political kind of thing going on and you're right in the middle of it and you're being attacked. They're trying to take you down. It's the enemy after you has satan been after you and and dogging your steps and and just trying to manipulate things and trying to get you to give up threatening you like a lion you know what i was thinking maybe you know in these past weeks many of you have stood up taking action for what god is calling you to do to live for him that 2020 is going to be different that we're going to be more committed, more surrendered. That our life is going to be lived for God because it belongs to God. Many of you have stood up or come forward, right? Have you noticed that when you took that step, that suddenly it seems like everything is falling apart? Have you noticed that? Or have you noticed maybe you got the, the Bible reading booklet? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start now. Yeah, I, I, I need to do this. And you, you wake up in the morning, and yeah, you're starting to read, but then maybe a few days later, it's hard, or things are happening, or someone's texting you, calling you in the middle of it, or all, all kinds of things are happening. Your, your workers calling you, come in early, all of a sudden, it's like things are just blowing up. And there's a battle. Lions are after. Do you, have you noticed those things? You know what? Satan wants to stop what God is doing in your life. He's trying to s- discourage you. He's trying to get you to oh, give up and say, oh, forget it. I don't like try anymore. Think about this. God, right? We see God had placed Daniel in this position. And I believe it's the influence King Cyrus so that Cyrus would fulfill that prophecy to let the Jews go back and to their land, to pay for their journey, pay for the temple, the rebuilding of the temple. That's amazing things, yeah? And God has strategically put Daniel there, but what happens? Satan comes, or these guys come, and uh, maybe they're influenced by him, or underneath it all, right? And they want to get rid of Daniel. Right? God wants to bless Israel, fulfill his plan after 70 years of captivity, bring it in, but right away, whoo! Right? recognize what's going on here guys the lions that are roaring around you the, the threats the the things that are trying to get you to give up just be discouraged and god what are you doing and question god know that god is still control and he can stop the mouths of lions one more thing maybe there's a battle inside your own heart yeah The flesh and the spirit, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Our old man, our old person, yeah? And the new person, there's that battle going on. It's like this line, yeah? Know that God is greater than even our own sinful flesh, you guys. So dare to make a stand. Stay committed to God. Don't back down from your devotions. Continue to do all that God has asked you to do. Stand for truth. Don't compromise. Live your life before the Lord. And also, you know, let me throw in here. Remember, we've been learning, especially Wednesday night. It's been huge, huge. Continue to love and forgive, even if you get hurt continue to give grace and mercy even if someone is angry at you continue to to stay self-controlled uh, uh, against uh, anger and bitterness don't let bitterness come in operate in a whole different way be consistent in your character be consistent in seeking god and give him the priority in your life in all areas in all areas let's be like daniel right let me close with this Philip Bliss wrote a hymn, and this is the chorus. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Let's be brave. Let's be daring. In all these things of the Lord, let's be strong in godliness. Let's keep seeking Him. Let's keep doing what God has called us to be, even when facing the lions. Let's pray. Lord, we are so encouraged and inspired by Daniel. And thank you for putting this into our Bibles, Lord. That this story is here for us to read and study and be inspired by. And this is your word, God. And through your word, you've been speaking directly to our hearts. In every situation, in, in every individual, in the things we all face individually, Lord. You have been here by your Holy Spirit prodding us, moving upon us, convicting us speaking into our ear the things we need to change and lord help us today to take that step to dare to be a daniel to dare to to live for you to go against the world to go against those around us that may be pressuring us to do other things to 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 live in sin to be tempted to go back to the old life to be the old person To not love, to not forgive, to be angry, to be bitter at people, to hold on to those things and not let it go. Lord, help us, God, to dare to be a Daniel, to be consistent and uh, uncompromising in what we know you want us to be, Lord. And when we are what and who we are to be, we will do what we are supposed to do. So today, right now, in this moment, Lord, I ask that you would would give us strength from your Holy Spirit, God, to be like Daniel, to live the uncompromising life, to when we're facing the lions in our life, that we would not back down but trust you, and that we would not give in to the enemy who wants to trip us up, who wants to stop your work in our life and stop You using us in this world. God, here we are, Lord. Refresh and renew us right now, God. We need you. We need your strength. We thank you for just this moment to stop and pray and have your Holy Spirit fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.